0: Hello, how you doing? Welcome to season three, episode eight of Be Bougie, Be True, Be You. I'm Charlotte Jones. I hope you've had a lovely week, whatever you've been up to. I am absolutely flying high right now, but at the same time, I'm completely jet lagged so you're going to have to bear with me because yesterday my family and I we landed back at Heathrow after spending the last 10 days in Walt Disney World in Orlando. I just had the best time. Anyone that knows me knows how much of a Disney fanatic I am. Very girly, love the princessy fairy tale side of life and it was an adults only holiday. I went with my partner, my mum, my brother and his partner and we all love Disney for different reasons whether it was for going on the roller coasters, whether it was the parades or Star Wars, or just to feel the general nostalgia. I mean, I wanted to be there. I wasn't too fussed about the rides. I just wanted to kind of take it all in because I just sort of loved the fantasy of it all. And it didn't disappoint. I have been to Disney before, but when I was eight and 10, I've never been as an adult, but I will definitely be going back. I just, I'm still, as I said, I'm absolutely buzzing, but I'm also buzzing because I've got such a good episode for you today. In this episode, I chat with the lovely Claire Black and we spoke all about the communication process throughout a divorce, why it breaks down so easily and how can we make sure we maintain some sort of amicable communication so that things don't fall apart and we spend months going back and forth arguing via solicitors and arguing over things that most of the time are completely unnecessary And we also spoke about something called divorce burnout, which I didn't realize for a long time, but that is something that I suffered with quite badly. And it affected me in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways. And it didn't just affect me throughout the divorce. It was for a good few weeks after where I just it was such a strange feeling that I couldn't explain. But after speaking with Claire, she made it so easy to understand what was going on and also explained ways that we can help navigate the divorce burnout process because it's such a an emotionally draining thing. And there are just so many great tips and pointers from Claire throughout this episode. So, Claire is a leading breakup and divorce coach, an author of Breakup From Crisis to Confidence, the essential guide for anyone facing a sudden separation. Claire offers bespoke coaching to support individuals through breakups and to create new and vibrant lives. She is a master NLP practitioner, divorcee, and single parent to two teenage boys, as well as a former solicitor. Using all of her professional and personal experience, Claire has built a thriving coaching business, empowering clients all over the world to create fulfilling lives after a breakup or divorce. So with all that being said, let's start this week's episode. You're listening to Be Bougie, Be True, Be You with Charlotte Jones, the podcast to chat about a little bit of anything and everything. Welcome, Claire Black. Hello. Hi there. How lovely we... to meet you, Charlotte. Yeah, lovely to meet you too. Thank you so much for joining me. How's your day been?
1: It's been good. I had a networking meeting and yeah, just then I've just had a couple of clients. It's been quite a nice day actually after the Queen's funeral yesterday. I think we all needed a, a quieter day today.
0: Definitely, yes. Yeah, we were just chatting about that before and um, it's just a very strange feeling. I think it'll be around for another, maybe till the weekend and then we might start to shake it off a little bit. Mm. What I want to talk to you today about is obviously you are a breakup and divorce coach and there is something that I am hugely passionate about which is communication it's something that I have started to study because I've just realized it is so complex and there are so many layers to this and when it does come to navigating a divorce communication is the first thing that often breaks Mm. down so before I move on to that could you just tell us a little bit about you and what
1: led you to become a coach of course yes so my journey really is becoming um, a coach a divorce coach it began with my own divorce which happened 15 years ago now so um, my first ex-husband because I've I've been divorced twice now my first ex-husband left very suddenly when our children were three and one so very little Mm. and it was the classic kind of shock I had no idea it was coming we were eating dinner and watching Holby City of all things when I asked him if he was all right and he said not really I've met someone else yeah. and I kind of see my life now as before that moment and after that moment because that was the moment in which my life as I knew it changed irrevocably and very suddenly um, and completely shifted on its axis so that was the the start of my journey towards this and really what happened after that was I used lots of the strategies that I now teach my clients to help myself to get through the following months and to create a new life for myself post divorce, uh, for myself and my children, so that we could thrive and flourish. And then I started the business. Oh, five years ago now. So about eight or nine years later, with all that experience, uh, got some training to some coaching training as an NLP practitioner, and I've built it up from there. And then the last year, I've divorced again, but this time uh, my choice and very, very different from that perspective. But from my client's perspective, I suppose I've now been through divorce from both the perspective of the person who for whom it's a big shock, and also from the perspective of the person who has a really tough time making that decision to proceed down that road thank you so much for sharing that because that's very personal
0: and I really do appreciate you sharing that with me and actually I what I was thinking for the amount of time you said it's been around five years that you've started your coaching business and before we move on to talking about communication I wondered if you had noticed a shift in these divorces and breakups before the pandemic and after was there sort of any patterns that you noticed throughout that that's
1: a really interesting question I think during the pandemic, relationships that perhaps had cracks in them, like my own, I suppose, um, those cracks became enhanced. You know, we were forced to spend so much more time with with our partners um, during the pandemic. And... One thing I have noticed and I think this combines with the introduction of no fault divorce um, earlier this year. So one thing I've noticed is that a lot of the cases that come to me through lawyers are much more high conflict perhaps right. than they used to be and I wonder whether that's because some people are doing their divorces by themselves using online systems and sometimes only the more high conflict ones are actually are going to the lawyers. I don't know it, it's probably something to watch and And keep keep monitoring.
0: That's really interesting. And um, I went through a divorce myself, and when it went through solicitors, it was easy to see how that conflict can arise. Which leads me on to talking about communication. And I really want to pick your brains about this because I found that communication is at the it's at the basis of everything. It is how we can dictate how a situation goes, whether that's a divorce, a breakup situation at work. And although we know this, it's so much harder to navigate it in a positive and effective way. So why would you say that communication breaks down so easily when it comes to this divorce process?
1: I think one of the big things that that underpins the breakdown of communication in the divorce is that the person that you're now having to communicate with over your separation and your your divorce and splitting all your assets and perhaps about your children is very very emotional and that person knows you really well knows what buttons to press knows you know that they're the person who knows you the best and so it can be really difficult to come to terms with the fact that This person who used to be your confidant or used to be the person you relied on is not that person anymore. And you're not the best people to support each other. And I think it's very easy once that kind of division starts between you to start making assumptions. So I hear my clients make assumptions a lot around what their ex's intentions are, for example. What it is they're trying to do. You know, I often hear where he or she is only doing that to punish me. Or he or she definitely wants, this is what they want. And so that's why they're behaving this way. So it's very easy to leap to conclusions and make assumptions based perhaps on our own beliefs, our own experiences, our values. And we can make wrong assumptions sometimes about what our ex is thinking or feeling or wanting to achieve. And that, I think, leads to a lot of hurt, resentment, perhaps. And those rising feelings are what people struggle to be able to see through. It's a bit like a fog those rising feelings can really get in the way of clear succinct and calm communication I think that's a really interesting
0: answer and actually going back to something you said a little while ago about how you know both perspectives of being the person where it's a shock and then the person who's made the decision. Do you think that will also impact the communication? Because obviously we know the person that it's a shock for or they didn't see it coming or they still feel very much in love are going to find it harder to communicate and navigate the breakup or divorce. But what about the person that did make the decision? Do they do they find it easier to communicate or actually do they still have a lot of emotions involved?
1: I think the thing here is to look at the process that you're going through. So there's a grieving process, isn't there? And you've experienced this yourself, when you go through any kind of loss so divorce is absolutely a loss and there's this grieving process to go through so when you're the person who's on the receiving end of the news and it perhaps comes as a shock you're right at the beginning of that journey through the healing curve I suppose through all those different stages denial anger bargaining depression and then finally acceptance whereas if you're the person who's delivering that news you are likely to have taken more steps along that journey already so you're not going to be at the same place as your partner or your ex-partner on the journey through that healing curve. And I think that that can be really difficult to navigate. You know, if you're the person who's delivering the news, you perhaps want things to move more quickly than your ex-partner for whom it may have been a shock is able to move and I think having compassion if you're the person who is delivering that news is really important to understand that the person you're giving this news to is likely to be in shock for some time following you telling them that you want to separate and so traveling that path and being very aware of where your ex-partner might be on that healing curve is going to be really important.
0: I think something really important you said there is compassion because I think Mm. it's so easy to lose that and I think It's also trying to keep that open perspective because whether you are the person that's made the decision or the person that feels like the decision has been taken out of their hands, it's very easy to just focus on your own perspective because it's still a huge life change. So I think because of that, it can be so much easier to just focus on what what is going to impact you and maybe it's fear as well. But if you can try and bring some compassion into the situation, would you say that really would shift the communication process between the two of you?
1: Yes, and I, I do a lot of work sometimes with my clients around looking at events from different perspectives. So I will ask my clients to tell me, what's what are you experiencing from your perspective? What do you believe is happening here? What are you feeling? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Um, And then I'll I'll ask them to actually shift position in the room and go and stand in a different spot or sit on a different chair and really associate into being their ex-partner. Now, what are they experiencing? What are they seeing? What are they believing? And sometimes really interesting things come out of that. You know, you you may suddenly have a realization that actually your ex-partner is in a totally different place to you. They're not necessarily where you assumed they were, but they're in a totally different place to you. And so bringing a little bit of compassion and understanding and and an element of standing in the other person's shoes can be really helpful.
0: I completely agree. And also what you're saying about time and the time that they've had to process and if you are in shock. And I've actually seen three different divorces play out over the last few years within friends and family. Mm. And there have been two situations where the person that maybe more made the decision was able to be patient and give that compassion so they gave the person time before filing for divorce just giving them that grieving process also when it comes to finances and things like that and by giving that time although it's you know it makes your life a little bit more complicated in the immediate I've seen firsthand that when you give someone time they will communicate and they will be so much more amicable and amenable with you for just having that space I think it's really important that even if you've made the decision, even if you know where you want your life to go, it's maybe taking responsibility, would you say, for your part in it is still a relationship, you still took vows if it's a divorce, and that unfortunately, although you may now be in a different place, you've still got to give that person time. And it is taking, I, I use the word responsibility because I think it's not used, like I, compassion
1: is brilliant, but would you say responsibility has a part to play as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think certainly in my first divorce, I was lucky, really, I suppose, and my, my ex husband did absolutely give. Me time to get used to the idea that this was happening. You know, for probably for four or five months after he left, I I couldn't even think about pressing the D word button. And he didn't ever push that upon me and and try and make it happen um sooner than I was ready, which I'm very grateful for actually. I think sometimes I I think it depends on the situation. If you're if you're in if you're divorcing somebody who's very challenging, very difficult perhaps and I hesitate to use this term but perhaps narcissistic yep. Then sometimes it pays to press that button sooner rather than later but you know if, if you're two nice people as it were then yes giving the other person time is usually going to be a very helpful thing to do and I remember my lawyer actually in my first of all saying that to me um, at our first meeting you don't have to do anything until you're ready which was such fantastic advice and was exactly the reason why I went back to her when I was ready to
0: presco that's so i'm just thinking so much about when you were talking about time and the lawyer being involved in the solicitor because in my situation i wasn't really given time Mm. and i felt that the other solicitor they were kind of sort of pushing and pushing and pushing to make decisions and i felt that i had to do that because of what i was hearing however speaking with my own solicitor i realized that you don't have to you know you, you can have that space regardless of whether you are fortunate enough to be in a situation where you are given that time to process. But if you're not equally, I think from that legal aspect, it's important to remember that you can create that time. You don't have to jump just because they are saying. And I think Mm -hmm. it's that sort of balance. Obviously, you don't want to hold things up, but you are allowed time, there is nothing that
1: is physically going to force you, even if you get that impression um, and the new laws really help with that actually because ah. um once you file your application, there's a mandatory cooling off period they're calling it um sort of five months long before you can apply for your next order, so that there is some time built into the process now. I think that's
0: hugely, hugely beneficial. Would you say that actually part of the communication issues as well is because someone has to place blame, do you think that will? regardless of how even if they are two nice people because someone has to take Mm. that blame initially does that really not help things well I know Um, obviously it's changed now but sorry beforehand
1: yeah I think that that's taken a lot of the pressure off and I've certainly got clients who were worried about having to put the blame on their ex-partner um, when they issued and so have been waiting for the law to change so I think you know that blame thing is, is still an issue but I think it will now be dealt with outside of the legal process which is fantastic you know that's my area of expertise to help you deal with those feelings of resentment or anger or blame that you want to put somewhere else and, and so on that has no place really in the the legal process that's more of the emotional part of the journey so I think there's much more recognition now that divorce isn't just a legal process. There's an emotional journey that goes alongside it. That's where um, people like me help. Definitely. Would you say that solicitors sometimes
0: or lawyers depending how can they help in a constructive way with communication because do you think sometimes they can also again add to this issue of that barrier with
1: communication um some can as yeah. well some who who are going to want to litigate and who who enjoy the whole court process but all of the solicitors that i work with are very adept at putting things across in a way that makes it sensible, that is constructive and so on. So, yes, I think some of the language that they use, for example, um, can be really helpful to perhaps dilute perhaps some of the anger that their client may be feeling or the upset that their client may be feeling and so on. So, yeah, I think they, they absolutely have a role to play in this. Would you say that it's important when maybe you are
0: looking at choosing a solicitor that you notice that they are seeing both sides rather than because for example if you are quite angry over the breakdown of your marriage if a solicitor is kind of I don't want to say but sort of cheerleading you on that that might not actually be the best thing they need to be seeing both sides to keep that communication at a reasonably calm level
1: yeah and I I think what you need really is a solicitor who isn't just going to be a cheerleader for you but is actually going to tell you or, or give you really robust advice about what the likely Outcomes here might be. You know, you don't just need a solicitor who says, I'm just going to fight your corner. You need a solicitor who is prepared to tell you if actually the news isn't good. Yeah. Because you need clarity around what the likely outcomes are going to be so that you can make really good informed decisions based on um, clear and concise advice. Thank you for that. What would
0: you say are the three most important things to remember when you are trying to navigate your communication going through a divorce or a, or a long-term breakup so
1: three so the first one would be whenever you feel the emotions rising in your communication whether that's face-to-face or over email or whatever always breathe the first thing to do is always to stop and breathe so stop breathe think before you respond Um, that kept me sane on many occasions stopped me firing off you know that angry email so stop breathe think respond that's the first thing Um, and then I think the second thing would be set your intentions, know where you want to get to, know the kind of person you want to be through this process. So for me, it was really important during both my divorces to remain dignified, to be calm, to be clear, and so I kept that right at the forefront of my mind, and I would ask myself, "Is what I'm about to do or say going to take me nearer or further away from that outcome, and who I want to be? And will I feel proud of myself in five years' time when I look back if I do whatever it is I'm about to do?" That helped me, and I, I'm using a lot of analogies, but that helped me to really steer my ship steady. Yeah, you know, keeping keeping my hands on the helm. And the third thing I think would be control the controllables control what you can and let go of the things that you can't control so you can't control your ex you can't control their responses you can't control the letters that their solicitor writes what you can control is your responses to that i
0: absolutely love that advice and i think control it's such a complex emotion because again it's driven by fear but it's it's if you can remember that there is very little you can control around the situation other than like you said you and how you Mm. respond but that's it. And if you take that time to pause, then you know that you're going to be responding in a way that's more beneficial to you. It's also very easy for communication to be slightly taken out of context through divorce. Mm. And I think that that is just it's that's a really important
1: one to remember. Yeah, I think I talk with my clients a lot about discretionary engagement, I call it. So, you know, you have choice, you can control when you respond. You can control how you respond and you can control whether you respond to anything that comes into your inbox. You can't control what comes in, but you can absolutely control what goes out. And if you were
0: being chased, for example, so say you had a letter and maybe it was a few days later and you hadn't responded yet. And then you get a second letter to kind of chase on that initial one. What is the stance on that, would you say? Because because you're not not replying to be difficult, but maybe you are taking your time to think about what you want to say back. Or there's maybe some details you need to work out before you respond. What would
1: you say protocol for that would be? So in that situation, I would be responding to say... I've had your letter and I need a little bit more time. I need to take advice on A, B and C and I, would, I'll, I will endeavour to get back to you by Friday, for example. So I would be choosing to put a holding response in place at that point. Thank you. That's. Um, I
0: think that's just really good to clarify because I have to say when I was going through mine, I, I didn't know if I could take a few days. So I would always panic mm. because I would think I need to answer that right away. But I don't know what that information is or I'm not sure what that bit is. And so it would add a lot of pressure, which again would then add to the way I would
1: respond thinking I needed to respond right away. Yeah, yeah. You'd never have to respond right away, unless it's something you know about your children and being picked up at three o'clock this afternoon. Of course, you know you (laughs) you don't you don't have to respond right away. And in fact, I often advise my clients to use what I call the 24-hour rule and not to respond to anything that makes you feel any kind of very strong emotion for 24 hours. Give yourself time to breathe and think. Give yourself time to sleep on it, because often when you wake up in the morning, your brain will have processed, and you may think differently or feel differently about. Um, what it is you've got to reply to.
0: Absolutely. Moving on from communication now, I would love to talk about divorce burnout with you because this is something, uh, we all know about burnout, we know what that means, but I definitely experienced divorce burnout, but it was quite an isolating time because I couldn't really explain it because with a divorce, sometimes, especially if it's slightly prolonged, I mean, mine went on for almost two years, people get used to that going on. So at the beginning, everyone expects you to be maybe take longer to reply or be a little bit not yourself because you're going through such a change but after a few months if it's still ongoing people start to get back to normal and they kind of expect you to get back to normal not not nastily but it's just life goes on and sometimes those effects are still very much with you and even after the divorce it can take a few months for them to really make their way out of their system what would you
1: say are key signs of divorce burnout So key signs of divorce burnout might be that you're um, struggling to sleep, Um, you're struggling perhaps to see the wood for the trees, you're perhaps not coping very well at work. And there are some quite scary statistics around the effect that going through a divorce can have on your productivity at work. I read somewhere that it falls by over 40%. So all of those things are perhaps signs that you're really struggling with this. Perhaps you've lost lots of weight. Perhaps you cry all the time. Perhaps you're more cross with your children than you would be normally. All of those things perhaps it might be signs that you're reaching a point that could be described as burnout and it's it's to do with extra stress isn't it so divorce is it's accepted now as being possibly the second most challenging thing you can go through in life and it, your brain perceives a threat so your brain perceives a threat every time an email comes in or every time you receive a text or every time you think about responding to that letter that you got yesterday and you haven't responded to yet and you're kind of in a permanent fight flight freeze position which leads to anxiety in the long term and that that fight flight freeze response is supposed to be a quick reaction to an immediate threat that once the threat goes the reaction dies down but in divorce you can kind of get stuck in that feeling of fight flight freeze that you're kind of like a rabbit in the headlights all the time and that can lead to you know physical symptoms as well and you know, when I was going through my first divorce I started to suffer from IBS and I'd never had that before and some people's skin perhaps flares up. You can feel your heart racing. All of those things are signs that perhaps you're, you're at a stage where um, you need to do something perhaps about the burnout that you're feeling. And what would you advise somebody does if they are experiencing those those
0: symptoms because obviously if the divorce is still ongoing if you Mm. can't see that light at the end of the tunnel you know again a bit like going back to the control now we can't get ourselves out of the situation we're still muddling our way through how can we help minimize those symptoms is there a way so I mean there's
1: no way to take it all away there's no way to take away all of the stress of going through the divorce but Like we were saying before, you know, make sure you're controlling the controllables and let go of those things that are impossible for you to control. Other things I think are, you know look at things that soothe you. So you need to when you're highly stressed you start producing lots of cortisol. So what helps you to produce the more soothing hormone, serotonin? Perhaps for you it might be practicing mindfulness or for me it was walking along the cliffs by the sea and watching the waves. Perhaps it's walking in the sunshine or listening to music. Whatever it is for you that helps soothe you, do more of that. And then also motivate yourself too. So that you know producing endorphins as well. So take a little bit of gentle exercise, go and see some friends, think about what makes you happy and do more of that. And I always encourage my clients to write a list of things that they enjoy so that when they're feeling ultra stressed, they don't have to stop searching around in the back of their minds for something that they enjoy doing. They've got a list stuck on their fridge and they can go to it and think, right, I'm going to do that today. I'm going to contact this person. So look for little moments of joy in your day.
0: I think that's really important
1: because if you have
0: that list in front of you, it's so easy when you are stressed to forget everything and focus on the stress. So you almost do need that reminder. So a lot of people might say, oh, yeah, but I I know that I enjoy that. But having it physically in front of you gives you that sort of nudge that you're not Mm. going to give yourself.
1: Yes, absolutely. And um, other things. So, you know, that's about shifting your focus. So shifting your focus away from the thing that's stressing you and onto something that might soothe or something that motivates. But, you know, sometimes there are little things that you can do. So if you're feeling ultra stressed, Perhaps one morning move from where you are, get up, shake your body off, stretch, jump up and down, run around the garden five times, do 10 star jumps, anything that will kind of shift your state. And then that kind of will shift the feelings that you've got in your body. And then you can think, okay, what can I do to to start to combat this? And one of the things I often get my clients to do, if there's lots and lots of things overwhelming them and all going round and round and round and swirling in their head, is we'll get a big piece of A3 paper and we will literally brain dump everything that's stressing them onto that piece of paper. And then we'll go through it. And so the questions that we'll ask are, which of these are within my control? And those that aren't in my control, I'm going to put a big black line through and cross off because I can't do anything about those. The second question is, which of these can I delegate and who to? So we maybe take some of those off our plate. And then the third question might be, do I need some help with some of these? And if I do, who's the best expert that I could turn to? Who do I need that help from? And then the ones that are left would look at them separately and say, what one or two small steps can I take to move this forward today or this week? Um, So that there's, you know, a a really clear action that comes from it. So you've no longer got all these things swirling around your head. Actually, what you've got now is a list of maybe five or six things that you're going to do this week. I think that's
0: really interesting, because it's a bit like If you are, say life is normal for you, but you're just having a particularly busy or stressful week work wise, I always find that when you put things again, you put everything out on paper, you automatically feel better for just, it's almost like straightening out your mind because your mind can get so jumbled so easily. So by you said putting it on that A three sheet of paper, you're actually also just it's almost like getting an iron and just ironing out your brain a bit and straightening it out and seeing
1: everything in front of you will help Mm. you to breathe that little bit deeper. Yes. And I I I mean I do this as well, but I often ask clients to keep a just keep a journal by the side of your bed, you know, and if you wake up in the middle of the night That's when your hormones are lowest and when things feel the worst. Mm -hmm. Splurge it out. Just sit up, turn your light on for five minutes, get it out of your head and onto the paper. Or if there's something that you wake up in the middle of the night and you think, oh my God, I've got to do this tomorrow and you're worried you're going to forget... Write it down so that you you know you, you're getting it out of your head and onto that paper and it helps you perhaps take a step back. Definitely. I think the more you, like you said, the more you can
0: get out of your head and almost out of thinking and just try and, and create a bit of blank space in your brain for a little bit that will just add to that sort of decompressing. Also, what I found really interesting was that I struggled one of my weird I say weird it felt weird burnout side effects is I am super chatty and I love voice noting all my friends pretty much all day every day especially during lockdown because Mm. there wasn't much else to do and what I found is that there was a couple of friends that my conversations would be kind of very chit chat and I suddenly couldn't respond to those messages anymore and I couldn't explain why and I would find that that actually started to have an impact on those relationships because I think those friends felt that I just wasn't bothering with them anymore or mm. I just wasn't making the same effort that I had been. And it was such a hard thing to explain. So I wondered, could you advise friends of people who are going through a divorce or this very prolonged period of intense stress, how can they help and how can they create space Because you also mentioned delegating. Mm. But how, again, can we create that communication so that your friends and family understand just what it is that you are going through and that maybe if they aren't responding or they aren't being their usual selves, that it's not personal. And actually, what can they do to help instead? Absolutely. So I
1: think I was, as you were talking about that, I was thinking this all comes back down to communication, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? So I suppose if if you're the person like you who's going through this, if you can... I would just send a quick message saying, I'm finding it really difficult to talk about these things at the moment, please bear with me or be patient. But if you're the friend, then my advice would be to keep your your listening ears open, check in regularly, just check in with your friend and say, how are things? What can I do to help? Because actually, you know, lots of people say, oh, um, I can do this. I can do that. I can do the other. But they not, might not be things that you need right now. So my advice is always to ask, what is it that you need right now? Because actually, it may be that you just need a hug. Yeah. You don't need to. I know that was difficult during lockdown, but thankfully we'll beyond on that now. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, it may be that you you just need them to pop around and give you a hug or you'd like to pop over for breakfast or a cup of tea or have somebody look after the children so you can go to the supermarket at a different time. whatever it might be I think that's the really important fundamental question if you're the friend of somebody going through a divorce ask them what it is they need and then listen to the answer. So true. And also it will take off that extra
0: bit of pressure because when you are going through a divorce, you are still aware that life is going on as normal. You don't want to let other people down, but mm. really you should be your priority in that time because that's where the energy needs to be to get you through, to keep you fit and healthy. And I think women especially can tend to sort of want to keep put everybody else first. And so it, they can unintentionally fall into that trap of of burning out by Prioritizing relationships when they should maybe in that just in that time period be prioritizing themselves. Yes, absolutely.
1: And um, I I see a lot of my clients tend to come. Sometimes I don't know if this is a thing, but a lot of them come from sort of caring professions where they are used to looking after other people. So looking after themselves and putting themselves at the top of the pile can be a really hard thing to do but it's so so important so yeah look after yourself make sure that you're doing just little things that lift you every day and they don't have to be expensive you know it can just be something really small I remember during my first divorce the one thing that I found that really helped me was that I I went and bought myself a teasmaid, so I could make a cup of tea in the morning and sit in bed and drink it and just that simple pleasure (laughs) really changed things for me. You know, I could could have that cup of tea before I had to go and get either of
0: the children out of bed. Do you think that going through something which is as traumatic as a divorce is actually... A really good way to get to know yourself Because that like you said there, you, you decided to try something new that if you were still in your relationship you probably wouldn't have thought to do because you were busy with life but actually there are positives to take from going through these big life-changing which can feel traumatic situations and you can learn things that you do enjoy or things you thought you enjoyed
1: but actually you don't know but yeah absolutely and there are things that you discover were your ex partner's interests that you've kind of taken on as your own yes, and somehow yes. they've become they've become your interests when actually they aren't really Um, and that can be interesting you know even down to the kind of movies that that perhaps you watch you know if you if you notice that I don't know you used to watch like we used to watch Holby City together I haven't watched it since (laughs) it's really worth looking at what actually gives me that feeling of pleasure in my in my belly what makes me actually feel happy and light and really noticing those things I think food
0: was a big one for me I remember mm-hmm. that it was meals we used to eat that actually I'd kind of fallen in and it was no one's fault there but I'd kind of fallen in with eating more what my partner had liked my ex-partner and um, when we weren't together anymore I realized
1: I was eating totally differently yes it's really interesting isn't it yeah. So but also those things can trigger feelings, can't they? As well, you know, if you're eating something that used to be his favourite meal, it, it can trigger feelings. So actually doing things differently is a really good way of starting to rebuild your own life. You know, because if you do what you've always done, um, it's always going to feel the same. So do something different and see what happens. Yes, I completely agree. Thank you so much for everything you've shared today. I've I've really really enjoyed
0: talking to you because I think that these are these are topics that we're, we're aware you know we are aware that there are issues around communication when it comes to divorce but we don't really fully understand the whys and when again when it comes to the burnout we know it's there but we don't understand the whys or or how we can help and help others going through it and I think also working with a coach such as yourself really it it just creates such an extra layer of support that I think if you are in a position to be able to do while you were going through will be completely invaluable to you it's absolutely almost necessary like you know I'd say it's like necessary to have that guidance and What would you say is the biggest thing you wish you knew before so going back to the beginning before you went through a divorce what do you wish you knew then that you know now what's your biggest takeaway
1: oh my biggest takeaway would be that something that happens that feels like the end of the world actually isn't the end of the world and you can create something new for yourself from the ashes of what used to be interestingly one of my um, mantras when i was going through my divorce was i'm not going to let this divorce define me and The ultimate irony is, of course, that it utterly does define me now, but in a way that I could never have imagined at that point. So I think it's trust in the process and trust that you have all the resources you need to be able to move forward create a new life for yourself and love it i absolutely
0: love that answer thank you so much claire where can we find you and find out
1: more about you so you can find me on from my website which is claireblackcoaching.com i'm also on instagram um, claire black divorce coach and facebook and also linkedin um, so if you search for claire black divorce coach on any of those i'm there perfect well thank you so much for joining me today it's a pleasure i've really enjoyed talking to you charlotte thank you very
0: much